0: Hello, people. Can you hear me? We'll be starting shortly. Oh. Who's this 814 number? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Let's hear. I've muted you, 814. Don't worry. Starting shortly. Good. John. Hey, Robert, I'm here. Very good. Can, can you hear me? So, John, me, we're, we're live. We might as well start. Yes, I can hear you. I've got to meet my own computer, so I don't hear the echo. People can hear me. I put some woman on the phone. Anyways, let's go. Uh, hello, everyone. Welcome to a NCAA cross-country edition of Track Talk, the best live audio show in the sport. And what a day, John. Live from Madison, the 2018 NCAA cross-country championships will be starting in less than 45 minutes. Folks, before we get started, let's have a word from our non-sponsor. United Airlines basic economy, it is a scam. I was supposed to be in Madison. I got up at 3.45 a.m. I got to the airport 40 minutes before my flight. They would not let me check in. I had CSA pre check. I didn't have a bag. They said the fact that I didn't have a bag is why I could not go on. I could not check in last night because I didn't pay to check a bag. If I had paid to check a bag, I could have been there. Anyway, I am not there. Jonathan, you are. The big question, obviously, is the weather. What's it like on the ground next to the course or on the course? Where are you, John, right now? I'm by, I'm by the course.
1: Um, I've been walking around the course earlier today. I mean, so there is the big thing. It snowed overnight. It started around 11 p.m. last night, uh, ended early hours this morning, maybe around 6 or 7. There's like about an inch and a half, maybe two inches on 99% of the course. The only parts of the course I've seen without the snow are about the 20 meters before the finish line and the 20 meters uh, or maybe 30 meters at the start. So everyone can get like sort of a fair start. Apart from that, it's covered in snow. I think the parts that they run on, the women's race is first. There are a few parts, you know, there's a big loop they run a few times. So those things should get packed down, especially by the final time the men run by it. But I think, you know, the finishing straight, they're only going to be running up there once per race. And when I, I tried running up there and doing some strides, it was slippery. Like, you know, I think these guys in spikes, they'll be better off. But, you know, it's it's going to be a factor. I didn't think so yesterday. I thought they said, you know, it wasn't going to be that bad, but You know, it's going to slow people down. I think there are parts, especially the hairpin turn in the men's race, about 4K, that could be a total mess if people don't take it the right way. You know, I I just, I think if you're aggressive on this course, maybe it works and, you know, you're not afraid to fall, but that could also mean that you're being stupid because then you fall and you're not prepared for it. So I I don't know. I think it's unlike any, I've never seen a cross-country race with this much snow on the ground, and that's not to say that there hasn't been races like that, but none that I've been a part of. Are you still there,
0: Robert? Sorry, how did you, you mute? Folks, this is a Dartmouth grad um, who is from Boston. So it's not like you've never run in cold conditions before. But then again, John, I'm not sure if your cross-country season ever extended into the middle of November based on your oh, accomplishments. Folks, if you're just joining us, you may be surprised. We actually started pretty close to on time. Not too many technical difficulties, things to talk to. But um, Jonathan Galt is on the course in Madison, Wisconsin. We're talking about the weather. This is your host, Robert Johnson from Let'sRun.com. United Airlines barred me from my flight this morning. I am unfortunately not in Madison. But we're talking about what roles the course, will have. Johnson has never seen this much snow on a cross-country course. To me, John... I think sometimes we can overcomplicate this. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, mean, I guess the logic, yeah. If you're a coach, you know, like a college coach, you don't worry someone's going to fall and get trampled. That's your biggest fear. But short of that, in some ways I think this could benefit the most fit teams because it's going to make it a longer race. It's going to make a 10K men's race more like an 11K going to make the 6k race for the women more like a 7k so there's more time for the strength runners for the people who are really supremely fit to shine and even if you did go down hey you've got more time to to catch up you know and get ahead so i I think that a lot of times people think oh my god would this give the underdogs more of a chance and in reality in my mind i would say more than 90% of the time probably more than 95% of the time The fittest team wins it. I mean, that would be my take. But I do have a caveat on that. John, yeah, very good. Did you mute yourself or did we lose you? No, I'm still here. Okay, good. Maybe when you're not talking, mute yourself because there's some background noise. But I do say this. To me, running in the – some people just aren't good at running in the mud. Most people are fine. But I think there's certain people that just aren't good at running in the mud. Um, The best runner I ever had at Cornell. Bruce Hyde, um, 2004 NCAA championships. He'd won the Heps, He'd won the regional. And he did end up All-American, one spot behind Ryan Hall. But he was like 80th place at 5K. And, you know, based on his previous results, you probably would have thought he would be top 20. But he only got 27th. And I thought it was one of the best races he ever ran because he was the guy that ran on his toes. I think the milers, the guys that run on their toes, some of them aren't good mutters, And they can struggle in it. And, you know, the great Wisconsin team, that lost, had a lot of more track guys than necessarily weren't good runners. So I do think there are some people who are just it's a small percentage small of runners but are terrible in the mind. you want that has a guy like that, you could be in a lot of trouble.
1: Yeah, I think one other place to look for on the course, Robert, at 1K, that's where the big hill is on the men's course. And I think it's the same for the women. And they run that hill, I think, three times for the men and uh, twice for the women. And right after it, there's a like they keep going, they keep going, and then there's a steep downhill once they've done maybe the mile mark or so. That downhill could be perilous if uh, you know if, if you have a bunch of people going down at high speeds, uh, I think you've got to be very careful running straight down with the, with the footing.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting, you know, and one of the I'm very excited about this just because I've been to a lot of world cross country championships, and I've always said there's been several of them. Um, you know, one of them was in Soapot, Poland, which I actually, I think Morgan McDonald ran. So people think in Australia, Morgan McDonald was the men's individual favorite from Wisconsin. People think in Australia, might not have run a lot in the snow, but first of all, he's been in Wisconsin for the last three years. Before he even went to Wisconsin, he ran a world cross country in Soapot, Poland. There, the course, there wasn't two inches of snow, but it had snowed overnight. The course was a muddy mess. And I thought they would never run an NCAA cross country race on this. The coaches have been too worried about injuries. People were falling left and right, but in the end, you know, I didn't really. Well, I guess America got the bronze, right, in that race. <laughs> I mean, the the silver, they got the silver. So maybe the miracle on snow, folks. Google that if you're not familiar what we're talking about. Go Google the miracle on the snow. Let's run. dot com, and you'll see our coverage from surf hot Poland from a few years ago. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I was trying to. Yeah, I kind of wanted to go in order, you know, let's still talk about the women and then let's talk about the men, but I think we should talk about the weather first. John, since we talked about Morgan McDonald, one of the big questions is who's going to win this individual title um, on the men's side? Is it Grant Fisher or is it um, going to be Morgan McDonald? And we put the article up on the website late last night, the, the early votes from the Let's letsrun.com, Um, prediction contests were in, and the Let's Run Nation was very, very divided um, as to who the individual champion was going to be. So Grant Fisher is listed first in our poll at 4,322 points. Morgan McDonald is second at 4,070 points. But if you look at the first-place votes, McDonald has significantly more, 231 to Fisher's 185. John, in your opinion, Who should be the favorite?
1: I think it's McDonald, only barely, but I think it's him because you know both him and Fisher, neither of them have lost a race all year, but if you look at Fisher, I mean, his both came down to kicks. They're both pretty close. He outkicked Talon Hall at the uh, the Pac-12 meet, and he barely, I mean, he was only about less than a tenth of a second, I think, ahead of Tyler Day at pre-Nats, Tyler Day of NAU. When Morgan McDonald raced Tyler Day back in September, he beat him by uh, a few seconds, and I, you know, that was September. Things have changed since then, but I think I'm also, I think you look at them, that pedigree as a runner overall. I think McDonald is slightly stronger. I mean, he's run 13, 15. Uh, he's Australian champion. Just ran into Bo here. He's uh, our ace uh, guy who does the predictions. He just said hello. He hasn't missed an NCAA meet since, uh, I think, 2010, he said. So uh, good to see him out on the course. But, yeah, I, I think it's McDonald. I just think he's, this guy's done stuff other guys in the field aren't capable of. Now, the weather might totally equalize that, but I think you know he's probably run on some snow here in Wisconsin. I don't know if they've – well, maybe they haven't. Maybe they try to stay off of that. But, yeah, he's my pick.
0: Yeah, interesting. I wonder if Bo Wagner, folks, in case you don't know who he is, he's a Duke grad who runs a computer program that picks – we, we can predict the NCAA field – Team-wise, before the NCAA even gets the, a day before the NCAA even gets the list out, I wonder if he's got the longest streak in the nation of people attending the NCAA cross country championships who aren't affiliated with the school, who are like aren't a, an assistant coach or coach. Uh, I'm sure there's probably a, a, somebody who's got a longer streak, but you know, it, it, it's great to see an actual true fan out there because it's not like Duke is, is qualifying very many times on the men's side. So, looking at the message board, we're talking about Morgan McGowan and, and Grant Fisher. Um, one poster wrote that how, he couldn't understand how McDonald could, could, could lose. And he said many of the things you did, John. He's both the strongest guy in the field with his 13-15-5 k and the fastest guy in the field with the 3:55 and 13:19. But he closed in with the 56 for the win. It's also his home course, and he's used to running in the cold. And he's not a stick, skinny guy who would be more likely to suffer in this weather. Fast race, slow race, great weather, bad weather, I don't see a way around him. Anyone who does, how do you think it will happen? I responded to this post, and my main, I, I had four or five points. One, this isn't a track race. Two, even if it was a track race, look, I think Grant Fisher is certainly capable of running a track race. You know, if you look at 2016, you know, the Grant Fisher ran 13.30 in 2016 at age 19. McDonald ran 13.29 in 2016 at age 20, so Fisher was ahead of him at that point. Also, I think the mud could be a wild card. I mean, I don't know who's more of a toe runner. I don't really think of McDonald's being a t- guy who runs on his toes. I'm a little bit worried that Fisher might be, John. you remember how he runs? Yeah, no, he definitely has a pretty bouncy uh, stride. I think he's on yeah. his toes uh,
1: so
0: quite a bit. If, if you read our individual prediction, I was going to go with – we had a secret sort of debate. I said one staffer really won a McDonald's. Obviously, that was Jonathan Galt. One staffer won is Fisher. That was me. No person has won two Foot titles and had an NCAA career and not won an NCAA, NCAA, NCAA XC individual title. Of course, only two people have fit that bill, and um, Dayton Ritzenheim and um, Edward Cheserich. Yes, Edward Cheserich, thank you. Because there's only been four f- f- two-time footlocker champions. The other two, Lucas Verzbeckis, only ran for half a season in Oregon, and then the great uh,
1: – Oh, Ritzenheim. Ritzenheim did it too. Yeah, I said Ritz. Oh, sorry. All right, sorry. Yeah.
0: So, uh, and then the Muhammad guy from uh, your, your neck of the woods, John, didn't run in the NCAA. So, you know, I'm a little bit worried, though. I was going to pick Fisher, but I, I, I'm worried how he's going to handle this weather. And uh, for some reason, I thought it's the course extending out would hurt him more than it would hurt McDonald. So I am. I started the show by saying the weather doesn't make that big of a difference. But, you know, because whether he finishes first or fifth isn't a huge difference in the team battle, but it does make a big difference in the individual battle. So... Uh, I'm starting to go with McDonald's. I was definitely going to pick Fisher if the weather was good. Um, You know, but those were my thoughts on that. Folks, if you have questions that you want us to talk about during the show, you can post them in the chat box or in the Let'sRun.com message board thread, official 2018 NCXC discussion thread. If you're just joining us, this is Robert Johnson, Let'sRun.com co-founder I've been banned from Madison. United Airlines refused to let me get on my flight because I did not pay to check a bag. True story. If you buy business economy, you cannot check in the night before. So I, they sent me an email to check in. I tried to check in. John, can you mute yourself when you're not talking? Uh, Sorry. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I tried to check in, and last night they said you're not officially checked in. Please go to the airport and present your ID, and you'll be checked in. Well, that's what I did. And the guy said, well, you're not here 30, 45 minutes before the flight. I was there 40 minutes before the flight. He said, you can't go through security. So weird to me. That's supposedly a security issue. Yet if I pay to check a bag, I can get on the flight. Ridiculous. Um, so there you have it. Jonathan is on the course in Madison. We've been talking about the weather, what role it'll happen. John says he's never seen this much snow on a cross-country course. And he's from Dartmouth University, a Dartmouth grad. So he, he you know, should – know what he's talking about but uh, i was comparing it to the to the soap Pot course i think that was what 2014 you know i've seen people run in world cross country in way more horrific conditions way steeper hills than anything i've ever seen across country at the ncaa level and and for the most part things have been going fine so it's going to be exciting but it's very interesting one thing about fisher we haven't talked about i think sort of the stereotype here going into this race if the weather was good i'm like look i think fisher's going to win i think he's going to be mcdonald but if he doesn't i'm going to buy into the stereotype of Stanford guys are a little bit soft, blah, blah, blah. You know, basically ridiculing the sort of privileged people like myself who you know, I went to Princeton, sort of Princeton and Stanford, people view them as the east and west coast versions of each other. Not that I ever was nearly as good a runner as these two. But that's not really fair, I don't think. But anyway, one thing people are like, oh, Stanford guys, they don't have to run in good, bad weather, blah, blah, blah. How would that impact Fisher? you got to remember though, Fisher's from Michigan. So he's used to running in the cold, you know, probably grew up running in the cold in the past. So um, now that we talked about the individual battle, I mean, John, uh, well, we can come back to the individuals, all of the individuals. Let's talk about the women. They're going up first, and looking at the polls here, you know, the New Mexico women, they've won two of the last three, and the Let's Run Nation thinks they're going to win three or four. Um, they've got 345 people have picked them, next best Highest uh, prediction is Oregon at 99, Colorado State at 67, Boise State at 30, and Arkansas at 19. So, John, you wrote the preview. You said it's very unique in the sense of there are five teams that really do have a legitimate chance sort of using the transitive property of who beat who at winning it. But the Let's Run Nation has spoken when people it's time for people to try to win some money in our free prediction contest. If you haven't entered, you can still do it now. Oh, shit, I'm not going to have time to enter, John while I'm doing this pod- podcast podcast. Oh, um, anyways, people are going New Mexico big time. Do you agree?
1: Uh, I do Robert. And you know, I think this isn't the first time you've missed a prediction contest. So, uh, you know, maybe better planning next time, but yeah, uh, New Mexico. Yeah. that top three is just so good. I mean, get, when you have three in the top 10 or top 15, that's, that's a really hard recipe to beat. Uh, I'd have to look it up, but I can't imagine many teams have lost if they have three in the top 15. And then their fourth, Ava Cohen, I mean, she's been a little hit or miss, but I think she was probably holding back a little bit at the regionals. Um, I think – oh, no, sorry, Charlotte Pryls held back a little bit at the regional, and ran with Ava Cohen. But I think Ava Cohen, if she can be an All-American, then New Mexico's five only needs to be maybe in the 70s, uh, which I think they're capable of. Emily Martin was 86th last year, and she is uh, – I think she's in better shape this year. She's probably going to move up. I think basically if they can five and five and she runs well for them, uh, that wins it for them. Whereas I think all the other teams need a, to catch a few more breaks. Uh, you know, I think Arkansas, they, their five is worse than New Mexico's five. They, and they don't really have a true low stick. Colorado, they need another woman up in the top, you know, 10 or 15 with Danny Jones. We'll see if they get that. Uh when you see in Oregon, two similar teams, I just think that ceiling is not quite as high New, as New Mexico. I think New Mexico's done a good job of hitting that ceiling. I'd lost that in their two title runs in uh, 15 and 17. I think they'll do that again today.
0: Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, I, I, when I'm thinking about it myself, I'm like, I was reading the women's individual preview. I mean, you've got the defending champion from New Mexico, and Edna Kurgut. And Coach Joe Franklin, John, he spoke to him this week. She's like, he's like, look, she's in better shape than she was last year, and yet no one thinks she's going to win the race. Everyone thinks that her teammate, Winnie Kalata, who was, of course, a Foot Locker champion in high school, people are thinking she's definitely going to dominate. I mean, she's been winning everything in sight uh, recently. So she'd be the second woman to win the, both the Footlocker high school championship and the NCAA XG championship. Remember, we had the Foot Locker curse for all these years, and then I think, what, four – four or five years ago, Molly Seidel broke the curse. And now that it's been broken, hey, maybe it'll become common sense. But, you know, I was thinking, my God, I'm like, they're basically, only they, if they go one, two, or one, two in the team scoring even, they're only, they're basically scoring three against everybody else's five. Like, how do you possibly lose that? I was thinking that, and then I reminded, a you know, I mean, when you have such a low stick, it seems almost, too low stick, it almost seems impossible. But, Anything's possible in the sport, and that's the beauty of it. You need five to score. I mean, look at – I'll show my Ivy League bias. I mean, Harvard, the Crimson have two individual qualifiers, and yet they only – so they had two guys finish very well at their regional meet, yet they were 11th at the regional because they were absolutely atrocious behind them. So New Mexico, the big worry for them all season has been number five. And, you know, if somebody has an off day, that could be significant. Now, you've got – particularly if one of the big two has an off day – You're in a lot of trouble, right, John?
1: Uh, I think so, yeah, because, I mean, Charlotte Prowse, I mean, she could step in. She's probably, I don't think she's going to, her ceiling certainly isn't as high as the other ones, but she could probably give them one in the top 15. But, yeah, that's their big advantage, if they have those two low sticks. I think once you take one of them out, uh, they're probably not as good as Oregon or Boise State or, you know, these other teams. So I think if one of them runs poorly and struggles in the snow, which... You know, it's it's certainly possible. Uh, that opens the door for everyone else, but I don't think that I don't think these other teams need to have an amazing day to beat New Mexico. I think they are. If New Mexico has their best day, they'll win. But if they just have an average day or a decent day, uh, definitely some other schools could take them down.
0: Yeah, you know, one thing I don't want to hear, John. we reading all these previews. I was hearing NAU men's coach and you know, saying that you know they're better than they ever been, and you're hearing uh, Joe Franco, New Mexico women, saying how good they are. After this race is over, I don't want to hear a coach coming up with an excuse, oh, somebody wasn't really in good shape, or blah, 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 It drives me nuts when people, you see it all the time, really, the professional ranks. People talk a big game before the race, and then after the game sort of reveal that everything wasn't good in training. Um, in college cross country, it's a little bit hard to do that, because we have the results. They've been racing regularly, so if there was something up, you generally would see it. Um, but... You know, you never know. I mean, I I was actually talking to my friend, uh, I'm a Princeton alum, uh, Coach Jason Vigilani, the t- uh, coach of the Princeton Tigers, this morning, and um, they're hoping, they're only ranked 23rd, um, but they're hoping to be the first Ivy League team in 30 years, I mean, on a knock-it-out-of-the-park day to be top 10. Uh, top 20 would be good, top 15 would be amazing, but top 10 would be, you know, they, they want to be higher than top 15. Top 10 would be like the dream. And, um, you know, he's running a, a guy that has a stress reaction, didn't run the regionals. So sometimes things do come up. Um, you know, you think, oh, they're just holding him out of regionals because it's two races within eight days, which to me is, is absurd. I mean, when I was talking to, to Vigilante this morning, I was like, this doesn't make any sense. Teams race at most every two weeks, all season long, and then you have the regionals a week before nationals. Like, why don't they just move the regionals up a week and then move the Heps, the, Ivory, you know, the conference meets up a week? It just, it's so stupid. Like, why doesn't someone do that? And actually the NCAA could save some money because then you'd be buying flights for the teams two weeks out instead of one week out. So someone needs to come up with, with a better plan there. But, um, you know, it's, it's barring something really unknown for New Mexico. It's just, I don't know. There's a reason why they're the favorite, but I agree with you. These other teams could beat them. Um, And, you know, one of the things that's interesting to me, John, though, uh, I said if one of the top two from New Mexico had a bad day and then you got Proust, really, really strong. I mean, they are just so strong all along. But one thing people don't think about, and I used to think about all the time as a coach, is, like, look at the gap in the times. It's really a bell curve. Like, between first, the gap between first and 20th, I'm sure at NCAAs, is much bigger than 20th, and I would bet even as far as 100th. Um, I don't have it in front of me. I'll try to actually pull that up from last year while, while we're talking about it. So that really, if you've got a huge stud in like a Morgan McDonald or an Edna Kurgat, even if they have a bad day, they should still finish pretty high in the team scoring. Go back to 2004, Ryan Hall, um, you know, he had finished second the year before. It was a, He was not obviously very good in the mud. He didn't run well, and he finished 26th, but he still finished All-American you know, because he's so good. His worst day, you know, unless you have a complete meltdown like a Jenny Simpson, um, you know, it, it's unlikely that a Colada, that a you know, or a Kerr got, in my mind, they either sort of drop out or they finish, it's hard to see them not finishing in the top 20.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good point, Robert. Um, you know, you, and those big blow-ups are rare. They do happen, but I'm trying to think. I guess the last time, well, it happened three years ago uh, in good conditions in Terre Haute. Erin Clark, who was Colorado's top woman all year, I mean, they were the heavy favorites to win. She finished about 100 or something. She had just run an average race, not even good, just average. They would have won that race, but as it was, they didn't even get on the top two. They they got third. So uh, it's it's happened before, and definitely with the conditions, it could happen again. I mean, someone someone sprains an ankle, someone goes down and trips. I mean that could be death right there. Uh, and then you get people just running bad, even without obstacles. I mean, yeah, it, there's a lot that could go wrong.
0: Okay, John, let's let's test my knowledge of the sport. Uh, I claim to be an expert. So I've just pulled up the results from last year. I just said that I thought the gap between 20th and 1st would be larger than the gap between 20th and 100th. So the gap between 20th and 1st last year was 37 seconds between Edna Kurgat and Catherine Rusevier of Indiana. And then going down thirty seven seconds from her would be nineteen fifty six plus thirty seven would be three point five thirty four. We've got twenty thirty four uh, folks, I'm exposed as a fraud. so thirty seven seconds would have been eighty first place. Of course, that's on the women's side mens side it might be true because there's more time for for the gaps to open up. So you know there you have it. On on the men's side, actually we can do this right now. Last night last year was kind of tactical, you know, it depends on the year. But just tonight won in 29 flat. 20th place was 2944. So actually Ben Flanagan, folks, the 10K champion was twenty-fourth, forty-four seconds back. So if you add forty-four seconds to forty-four, you would get uh, twenty-eight. So let me get on to that. Oh, it's similar. It's about eightieth place. So um the gap between first and twentieth, folks, is the same as between twentieth and eightieth. So, you know, that, that's one of the things that makes you nervous, though, for a lot of these teams. You know, there's so many storylines behind the, the winners, who's going to win, who's going to you win, know, that we're not even really aware of, like Princeton trying to be the top, first high league school in 30 years, and the men's side to be top 10. You know, and, and if you're one of these coaches of a 15th-ranked team, it's nerve-wracking because you generally want to have the lead and try to get one All-American at least, and there's probably, you know, 80 kids that think they can finish, and probably more, 100 on a good day, but probably 80 60 to 80 realistically that they, they could be an all-american that won't be an all-american you know really the, the people that can finish between 20 and 80 um or 20 and 60 you know who who, who, who where are you going to end up and then really behind that so the third fourth and fifth man for some of these you know middle of the pack teams you know are they going to have a good day and finish in the top 100 or are they going to be a little bit off and finish 150th and get destroyed in the team story, So um you know really really interesting stuff so if you're just joining us um we've been talking we started off talking about the weather uh jonathan galt is in madison he said he's never seen this much snow on the course it's gonna be interesting um he didn't think it would be a factor before today before waking up but now he does think it could be a factor he said to pay close attention to the 1k mark um there's a sharp turn right and a hill john or just a sharp turn so
1: the uphill is at 1k. Actually, you want to probably look more closely around the mile box because that's when they start coming down on the sharp downhill.
0: Very good. So now that we've talked about the, um, you know, the women's team battle, and in terms of the individual battle, I mean, can anyone beat kalati? one of the great john great journalism by the way to find out that it's fascinating you know people think oh I'll, you want to go to good school so you can work out with other people to make you better and then john finds out from joe from coach joe franklin that the top women in new mexico all work out separately and the logic behind it made sense he's like look somebody has a really great day and it demoralizes the person who runs a, a good workout but doesn't have a great day so by running the, the top people separately he just lets them work out according to their own feel they don't compare themselves to each other and, you know, I think it makes sense because I always thought that as a coach, for the most part, people that driven who are already all Americans, they don't have problems pushing themselves. What they have problems with sometimes is holding back. And one of the most famous articles on let history is Why I Sucked in College. And it was written by my brother, Weldon Johnson, who was never even in the top five in the Ivy League on the track, but yet finished fourth in the country professionally. And, you know, this was a guy that never finished in the top 30 in this conference cross country meet yet almost, you know, made a world championship team. So how is that possible? And basically if you look, if he, had, if he was on this call, if you if you read that article, quote, why I sucked in college site, let um, he would tell you, you know, basically without knowing it, he was leaving his racism, best races in practice. He was racing the workouts and you really need to have a difference between your races and your workouts. But John, you've done the research you've talked to these people is anyone beating Kaladi? Uh, before the
1: race i would have said no i mean the one woman i was a little unsure about is alicia monson of wisconsin because she did beat kaladi head-to-head at nutty comb i think kaladi's got a lot better since then but that's the one woman who i was kind of unsure about but now with the weather i mean again i i think this thing i mean i just don't know what to expect we thought we knew it was going to happen before the 2018 boston marathon the weather was a much bigger factor than anyone anticipated uh so i think depend if the if the footing is okay which you know i'm, I'm not i will see i think had best, you know, she should blow everyone away i think she's that good but uh this weather it could serve as an equalizer i think there are a bunch of women who could win it i think if someone like if it's so if it's slow and no one's able to break away, maybe someone like Danny Jones or Jessica Hull could steal it at the end. Uh, it's, you know, I, I think it's gonna it could be a thriller, but I could also I see it one of two ways: either Kalani is going to uh, blow everyone away, or it's or she's not going to win at all.
0: Yeah, you know, I think of her as kind of a, a really small runner though, and you need power sometimes in the mud. Um, so it's definitely, and, you know, there's sort of a history sometimes of, of some of the, uh, you know, runners from Africa necessarily not really handling the cold. Sometimes that's sort of the excuse to get after a race. I mean, she's been living in the States for quite some time. She's training in New Mexico. So I, I wouldn't think that that would be, that she's scared off the cold weather. And, and you compare it to the Boston Marathon, you know, this year, to me, the biggest difference is, though, it's not wet. You know, it, first of all, the temperature is probably below freezing. So if there was precipitation, though, but looking at the sky doesn't look like there's any chance of it during the race. Um it's 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 not gonna be um you know w- the problem with Boston was it was like thirty five degrees and raining, which is the worst weather in the world, you know. So I don't think it's gonna be that bad. And I also do think, you know, comparing the weather conditions, we start off the show by time with time of the weather, I think that running in hot weather to me sometimes is a totally different sport than running in regular conditions. To me, running in cold weather isn't really that much different. The first person is going to win. But the mud, I, again, I think a small percentage of people can't run in the mud. I think a much higher percentage of people just can't run in the heat. And it ends up almost being a completely different sport. Today, I don't think it's going to be like that. But, John, I, the races are starting in about 10 minutes, so let's go back to the men. And, you know, the Let's Run Nation, I mean, people all year have been saying BYU, NAU, BYU, NAU. Um, BYU has been ranked second all year, NAU first all year. But when you look at the prediction contest, my God, NAU, 544 first votes. BYU, disrespected at 24 votes. Is, is NAU really 20 times more likely to win this thing than BYU? That seems a little bit high.
1: Oh, yeah. that's. I mean, I, I get why – like, if everyone was picking, they would pick NAU. That's, that's the pick. But, obviously, if you run this race 20 times, NAU doesn't win 19. I think they win probably – Maybe 15, something like that. I don't know. They're they're a very good team, but you know they can be beaten. Uh, I actually, no one's done it since 2015. But I think you know we saw it in 20 uh, we saw in 2015 with Syracuse knocking off Colorado. People didn't expect that. Uh, I think BYU is very very good. I think Wisconsin uh, they have some good guys. I think BYU is probably the only team that could do it. But again, the conditions. One of those Niu guys. So they probably need two guys to have a bad day because they've got some depth at number. five five with, uh, you know, Jordy Beamish or Luis Crealba or, uh, you know, Blaze Farrow, whoever it may be. Um, but, yeah, I think if a couple of those guys don't run to their potential, BYU has the horses to get it done. Uh, it would probably take something very special from an Oregon or, sorry, from, you know, a, uh, a Wisconsin or a Portland or an Iowa State or something like that. But, yeah, I, I don't think they win. They're, they're very good. I think they win probably 15 out of 20, but I don't think they would win 19 out of 20.
0: Yeah, you know, it should be interesting. We haven't even really even talked about. We talked about Fisher and McDonald in the individual race, but Tyler Day and Matthew Baxter. I mean, they were second and third last year. Um, you know, I I think that they're obviously, you know, B.A. actually returned three from the top ten last year, when you add in LeMond. But Baxter and Day could win it. And then I I when I was reading the individual preview, John on the website, I really thought that sort of potentially one of these other guys that you know from Africa that that no one's really giving a lot of credit to to, pot- to potentially pull off a stunner I think the odds of us seeing a stunner on the men's side you know are probably significantly higher than on the women's side in terms of the individual race would you agree with that assessment
1: yeah I think so I mean if you call Sugira and Koga stunners um You could argue that, but I I don't think they would be. I don't think it would be a total shock if one of them won. Uh, I think if someone out of those guys that we didn't mention the preview wins, um, that would be a shocker. And now they're doing the national anthem, so I'll let you talk for about a minute and a half,
0: folks. If you're just joining us, there's actually a free live stream up on Twitch. I don't know if I'm violating copyright rules by saying that, but someone has found it and has put it up on Twitch.tv. It's not on the message board, so instead of paying thirty dollars. Um, you can get it for free. Um, So there you have it. So we've been going through the races. We've been breaking them down one at a time. We started with the weather. It's going to be an interesting day. I mean, we haven't seen snow on NCAA class country course in a number of years. But, um, you know, that's going to sort of add a little bit of a wild card. But in the end, I I generally think that, you know, I started off the show by saying the fittest team should win because it makes it longer. Now, there are a few people that just don't do well. If, if the footing is really muddy, I think some of the toe strikers, some of the bouncers, and, uh, and that sort of reminds me of Grant Fisher. I was going to pick him for the individual win, may not be able to do it. So the, the, the power guys may have a little bit more of an advantage um, here. So also, how will that impact Wayne Kalati? She's, she's pretty small. One thing about Waini Kalati, John, I don't know if when the anthem's going to be over. Feel free to just chime back in when it ends. But, you know, I was like – She's, is this what Mary Kane was supposed to be? I mean, they're, they're similar in age. Mary Kane is 22 years of age. Kaladi is 21. Um, you know, and Kane won the 2013 World uh, 1500 title at World Juniors in 2013. You know, that's – thinking Kaladi ran that race, but I guess she didn't run it. She just ran yeah. 9-18. Yeah, I'm back here,
1: Robert. Robert, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, I, I think this is a shameful attempt to get Mary Kane into every piece of journalism you produce. Uh, I don't see why we need to bring her name up. I mean, maybe she raced against Mary Kane, but she doesn't have the skill set of Mary Kane. I just don't see why we're talking about her
0: right now. Well, people love Mary Kane. It's just interesting to think, you know, like, I brought up Lucas Rosbeckis, former teen stars. uh Anyways, yes, you're right. Yeah. right Robert, country I, country I want to never, take out
1: a spot here, so uh, cross country you know, was maybe... especially.
0: So John, okay, you're gonna leave. Yeah. I, we need your official predictions. I need your men's, all four predictions, please. Just give them to me now, and I'll write them down for right. the attorney Since I'm not probably gonna be able to get city the prediction contest in the next four yeah. minutes.
1: I put these in the prediction contest. I'm just gonna stick by them. I got Morgan McDonald winning the men's race, weight equality in the women's race. New Mexico women winning the team title, and NAU women winning the team title. So t- same team champions, different individual champions from last year.
0: Those are my picks,
1: and uh, I'm going to hang up now and find a place to watch. So uh, enjoy the race, everyone.
0: Have fun, John. Thank you. So there you have it, folks. I was going to battle and say no way McDonald wins it. I was going with my boy, Fisher. I loved the, the, the Foot Locker champions. Foot is one of my favorite races. Um, I was a big fan of Ritz, the two-time champion. I was going to go with with, with, with Fisher we keep hearing how he's a man and he's a changed guy. And I think we may find that out, but I'm worried about him being a bouncer, being a toe guy it reminds me too much of, of, of Bruce Hyde or Ryan Hall or, you know, these guys to compare those two is actually not fair, but my own personal experience is, is being biased there. So I'll go with McDonald as well. Kaladi, I'm also a little bit worried, but Joe Franklin so high on her just because she's so small. But actually one thing is really small. If you're really light, you can almost float on top of this stuff. You know, it's a weird thing to think about, but I did notice that in Poland. So I'm going to go with Pilate. Uh, and um, I'd like to see an upset. I'd like to see Oregon, which is weird. I always root for the underdog. I don't normally root for underdog Oregon as a result. But I think it would be a great story for Oregon to lose their coaches, lose a number of Merrill Americans, and win it. But I just don't see how, how they can win the women's team title when New Mexico has so much firepower up front. So I'm going with New Mexico for the women's team title. Pilate, McDonald. And uh, I would love to see BYU win it. But, again, NAU has three back from the top ten. So I'm going to go NAU, McDonald, Pilates, and I guess the same as John. Jonathan Galt, folks, he's such a great employee and asset to Let's Run.com. He has convinced me I was going to have a big battle and not pick him. So there you have it. Um, We'll be tweeting out screenshots from the race. um, uh, And and John will probably be tweeting out uh, uh, pictures from his phone. On site in Madison. I'll, I'll be watching online. Um, you can watch it on Flow Track. Um, if you're a subscriber, it looks like there may be some free streams as well. Um, and I don't feel too bad uh, talking about that, considering for years they used to actually put on their own website links to, to um, illegal streams. Whereas, hey, I didn't put this link up, somebody else did. So, um, very interesting stuff. So, should be a great one. Come back. We'll be covering it all day and probably have um, more for you later in the, in the evening, maybe a post race podcast early next week, Uh, Thanksgiving, maybe not. All right, for um, Jonathan Galt, this is Robert Johnson signing off. Thank you for joining us. Have a good day.